Welcome to Desk Lady Ada. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Desk of Lady Ada. It's me, Lady Ada, and welcome to my desk. Uh, with me is Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Word to your mother. Ooh, that's right. It's Mother's Day, yeah. so uh, for those who are thinking about it, maybe call your mom. If you don't want to call your mom, believe me, I understand. You don't have to, but if you want to. I don't know. It's up to you. You decide. Uh, but once you're done with that, come on by and we can hang out at my desk and look at electronics. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on this week. You can uh, see some progress that we have. Uh, we're posting across all the social media channels pretty much 24-7. Um, but Sunday is when we kind of collect things together to figure out uh, what, when, and if we're going to release something. So what's on your desk this week? Yeah, let's look at my Good overhead because I, I set up a couple of things. I was actually working on some electronics this week. So first up, I think I showed um, these. Um, this is a Zippy navigation. Yeah, that little video is going to come out probably tomorrow. But that's okay. I can, you can do a live demo I can tonight. do a live demo. Well, let me get my... Hello. Might want to move the camera physically yeah. a little bit. Sorry, um, I forget. There you go. Okay, now it's zoomed in. Okay. So um, this is a um, click scroll wheel. Um, it's you know reminiscent of the iPod. It's not the same one as in the iPod. It's it's made by Zippy. It used to be made by I think eSwitch or something, but uh, Zippy makes which they make a lot of mechanical stuff. Um, they make a version and, and it's got a rotary touch wheel, a rotary click wheel in the middle, and it's got four buttons you know northwest, southeast, and then one in the center. Got it hooked up here to a Feather M4. And uh, it's just reading the rotary encoder, and as you can see, it's it's spinning a NeoPixel to match. You can even maybe hear a little bit of the clicking. And then uh, there's, uh, if I press the up or left or down or right buttons, and then the center turns the whole thing on. So there's a little demo showing uh, this breakout because the, the board is like it. The sensor itself is like a totally ridiculous pinout, and so this is just a little adapter that makes it breadboard friendly. So... Not a big deal, but you know, I wanted to uh, I wanted to start playing with this a little bit more, and uh, you know, to test the footprint. I was like, I might as well make a breakout, so did that. So that's one thing. Um, I also put together uh, this prototype, which I, I I was I was distracted by Trinkies, and you know, I was also like TFTs got really expensive, and they're still really expensive, but I, I wanted to finish it off. This is a 1.69 inch. Uh, IPS TFT display, and you can tell it's a rounded rectangle, so it actually has the pixel cut off, like it's missing pixels. It doesn't have like a, it's not like a different mapping, it's just like there's just a cutout, basically. Do you think you. that's because what? the actual iconography is all rounded corners now, or is there, what, why is there... It's just for smart, it's for smartwatches. This is, this is so you can fit it into an enclosure. And so that, instead of having to work around that with a physical design... Where you'd have to make it bigger. You'd have to make it a little bigger and then make it look like rounded corners. Now yeah. the screen itself does rounded corners, so... It just, and so you don't have to worry about the... It, it just means your case can be a little smaller. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is, uh, if you people, folks remember, uh, we were experimenting with... Um, you know, we really like Quick and STEM IQT, which is... Plugging in I2C, and here's like the rotary encoders that we just put in the shop. I2C stuff connecting with four pin wires. Um, Grove does this, STEMQT does this, but for SPI and displays, it was something that we were starting to get a little annoyed by. It was like every display had like, you know, the hardware SPI and then like 
you know, a chip select pin, a data data command pin, a reset pin, if there's an SD card pin, you know, there's a chip select for the SD card, if there's a touch screen, there's another uh, chip select. And so it's like, it's not like just I squared C where you're like four pins and done. You actually need like a lot of pins. And we saw that DF Robot actually came up with a standard that they called, uh, I think it's just like generic display interface. I don't like really have a name for it. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea. And I, I like to stick with other people's standards so that, you know, I don't like to invent new standards. Um, it's not really not my favorite hobby. Um, so on this display, we have a little flip top for this uh, flex cable. This flex cable has 18 pins. And I, I always like the bottom contact type because it's I feel like it's easier to insert. And then um, if you plug this in, it'll show. I don't think we got to show that we actually have a, uh, a logo that you designed. And you can see it's being inverted, but that's the iSpy logo. So SPI flex for display connectivity. Um, putting on a, you know, a 20 cent connector on the back just means like, look at how easy it is to connect a, a TFT display. Um, a lot like this, there's such a pain to wire, but really the pinouts are very standardized. So, um, so this actually got done this weekend. So this is ready to order and I got the pinout right this time. So good for me, that's the, that's the SD card being tested. Um, what else? Uh, some keyboard stuff showed up. So my break apart, uh, ortho, um, key PCB. So you can actually see, you know, this has the routed cutouts. I haven't tried breaking this apart yet. Um, I'm a little nervous to do it. I have a couple of these PCBs, but not a lot, but you know, in between there's a little bit of a couple very small holes and the two traces that connect each one to each other. So I'm, I'm hoping that you know, you'll be able to easily break this apart and make custom ortholinear keypads. And then, you know, you plug in your Cherry MX keys into the um, kale sockets and there's a NeoPixel on the bottom. So check out the previous videos for this. It's got rows and columns and it's diode matrixed in between. Okay, for that connector on iSpy. Yeah. Uh, are you going to do a great search about it or like what about what, 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 what is I've kind of covered FPCs already, so I don't think I'm going to do a special one just yeah. for that. What is that connector called? It's just it's just a sort of generic 18-pin FPC connector. If you look, right. well, one of our first great searches was about FPC connectors. And just instead of 40-pin or whatever I picked, pick 18. Okay. Uh, I also got the PCBs for the MacroPad uh, RP2040 designs. This is going to have like an OLED uh, rotary encoder and three by four keys. So I just, we just got these on Friday, so I haven't had a chance to put them together yet. Um, but I think I will do that yeah, soon. On our blog and on the social medias, we posted up our take on the um, Arduino Pro Micro size um, boards, but we're doing an RP2040 for the Keeb community, so we're just calling yeah. it like... This is it's key, key, but this is all in one. This yeah, is like a macro. So, so there's a lot of keyboard stuff going on. Um, so that'll be something to check out. Why? Because I, mechanical stuff is in stock. That's why people are like, why are you suddenly doing all this mechanical stuff? Because I can get them. <laughs> there's, right. no, there's no, there's no uh, parts shortage. Some are keyboards. There's no shortage. There's some shortage of chips, but as long as I can get any chip, you know, in, in this case, the RP2040, I can make a macro pad because every other component is a, is a common jelly bean and I have enough yeah. stock. Um, speaking of the keyboard, so if you want to go to the uh, computer and we can show off the, the the keyboard design that I did yesterday night. So um, after a while, like I just couldn't watch SNL anymore. Like I, I didn't, I didn't it, it wasn't that funny. 
So I came upstairs and let uh, Phil suffer through it, and I designed a circuit board instead. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, every, I think the, everyone's loss is your gain. So the, the segment that you missed, and you can watch it online, is the um, uh, Pete Davidson character, Chad, uh, he was stranded on Mars. Uh, there was an issue of oxygen. Yeah. And uh, Elon kind of plays himself with that. See, I, I think, think Elon can play himself. I just don't. Yeah. I, I just don't so, think he should play anybody else. So I think that was one of the funny ones. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah, you can, it's on, you can it's watch on it online. And I did think the. Um, you know, anytime people dress up in any type of Mario characters, um, it doesn't even need to be funny, but it looks funny. It does look so, funny. And that, sometimes physical humor is all you need. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, doing keyboard stuff, and people really like using Adafruit boards in keyboards, and we've designed Itsy Bitsies. And I noticed that Itsy Bitsy, the pinout never cut on with keyboards, even though I thought it was like kind of cool because it had more, more GPIO and it had a NeoPixel driver pin and had VHI available. But it turns out people really like the Pro Micro pinout. And so I thought, okay, well, since so many people are using CircuitPython with the RP2040 make keyboards, I should make a CircuitPython happy RP2040 board. Uh, it's basically like the itsy bitsy, but it's got the pinout of a Pro Micro. Um, and thankfully, it was actually the. It's I always find it kind of amazing when the pins just sort of like magically fall into place. Like this is a very, um, this really was a, a very. Um, it was like a lot of flow. Like I felt like really like it was happening because pins like zero through nine on the Pro Micro are down here, and those match up zero through nine here. Like they're they're like one in a row, and even the alternative function. So the um, TX and RX pins are like, it's TX, RX, S SDA, and SCL, and it's exactly the same as the Pro Micro. So it's like, even if you're using the UR or I2C peripherals, it's like a drop and replacement, which I thought is sweet. One thing I did change, and this is the big thing I changed with the design, is the Pro Micro doesn't have a pin at the top, which I'm not sure exactly why, but there's actually like one pin gap missing. And I added it back and I made it connect to D plus and D minus because I noticed a lot of people, it's like they're, they want to make a keyboard, but they may not necessarily want the USB-C there. They may want it to be connect to like another keyboard or, you know, I don't know, like they want it to, to go through an enclosure and then there's like a panel mount. And um, I was in the old crow's always asking like, can you put you know, the data, you know, D plus, D minus pins? And like, no, Pedro, also I see them, they make projects, sometimes they end up extending the USB out for some reason, and so I thought, let, you know, if we have these two slots, let's add the two data pins. And then I also put a jumper here that lets you short out. There's a, there's a fuse and a protection diode, and and those are good, but like if you if you want higher current, I wanted to give people an option. So this, this lets you short them, which basically just means like, you have to be a little bit more careful, but it's not a big deal. And then it's got the eight megabytes of flash memory over here, the RP2040 chip. Uh, it's got a NeoPixel here. There's a power LED, but essentially the Pro Micro doesn't have a D13 LED that I can notice. So um, for the, the boot button over here, I put that diode in that lets you use the boot button as a user button. So that's kind of nice. And then SparkFun made a Pro Micro of the RP2040 and they put it at STEMIQT quick connector on the end. And I was like, that's a really good idea. So I, I grabbed that idea from them. So this is a little bit, and then it castellated pads like the Elite C, which is a really common uh, keyboard microcontroller. So I kind of like, I picked a little bit of everything and I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I think this could be a good design for people. 
And if it fits all on a double-sided board, so it should be pretty inexpensive. Um, and there's a good ground plane, and there's like lots of GPIO. So I think, you know, most keyboard designs have settled on like, you know, you should be able to do them with the number of pins available on a Pro Micro. Um, so I think this is good to go. Yeah, and uh, we do have a person in the chat that um, I agree with. I've seen this a lot over the years is the um, cheap clones of the Pro Micros, the um, USB ports just rip right off. Yeah, I, I've always preferred. I never liked having service mount only yeah. USB, you know, USB micro USB. But for these USB-Cs, you see that there's these through holes. You cannot rip them off. Believe me, you will rip off the PCB before. Like, yeah. it will it will delaminate before you pull off the USB. It is yep. so strong. I, I have Mr. Lady to test that for me. Yep. He does that. Okay, what else? Okay, so that's this keyboard. It's called the KB2040, for lack of a better name. So that's that. And it should it should just come out. It's exactly like the Itsy Bitsy or the Cutie Pie. It's like the exact same design. Um just like with it with a lot more ground pins and then like there's you know a raw pin over here okay great so that's that's that and then um okay and then lastly let's go back to the overhead for the last thing before we uh, we're gonna show the um oh yeah so uh, right so um and also last week we talked about this pinout generator and um we actually got some pinout generator this week so we, you know, we, um, Phil B worked on this a lot. Katney worked on this. So the colors that are picked there, these are actually not just any colors. These are picked from a specific palette of colors that are, um, readable no matter what kind of color blindness you may have. Like if you have trionic or bionic, I don't know that the, there's like three or four different kinds, but these are like really safe colors. So, um, they're very beautiful colors, but they're also, um, really accessible, which is great. So we started with the RP2040, and then I've also got um, here, I'm working on the ESP32S2. So again, for every for every chip, there's like a, there's always a little detail, something I have to kind of noodle around with to make it work. Um, so with, with the ESP32, unlike the RP2040, um, one, of the, one of the things about it is not every pin has every function. So you see like the, these pins have, um, this is called the, the power domain. So it's like whether you can use an RTC mode or not like in low power mode. Um, so the, the nice thing about the RP2040 is every pin has a PWM output. Every pin has an I squared C and every pin has a UR. Every pin has this PIMUX. Like they just, they just completely crossbarred the whole thing. But with the ESP32, it's like there's, there's some pins that are special high-speed SPI, there's some pins that are touch, there's some pins that are, are debug or have, you know, crystal output. So there's going to be these, these gaps in between. So we're still working on that. Um, but you can see, like, here, these, these are DAC pins, but they don't have, you know, the high-speed SPI or something. So, um, but it looks good so far. Like, I'm, I'm liking the look. So we're going to do some ESP32... S2, and these are the, the pins that are like floating. So like these debug pins are actually like right here. You can kind of barely see them. And then this NeoPixel pin is actually for the, the NeoPixel over here. So we're gonna have to like point to them out and be like, this is a pin for an internal connection. It's not an external connection. But so far the automatic generator is working really well. So the nice thing is like this is all fully automatically generated from the fritzing file and the um, CircuitPython 
pin alias name file, which is how I determine like what we call the pin. You know, it's like what what is Neo, the NeoPixel pin called? I know it's pin forty five, but what's the, like the human friendly name? It's NeoPixel. So there's a lot of pins that have friendly names like Miso and S Clock and VDiv and you know A two. So all those all those friendly names we're parsing out. Yeah. So and, that's coming. Uh, that's what we're going to be more. We're going to keep working on that. It's like happening. And you know, there's folks that are colorblind in the chat, and they're like, "Thanks for doing this." Yeah. Um, we'll always do the best job we can for absolutely everyone. Um, one thing, and I want to thank the community is. Um, People assume the best in us. Sometimes we don't get to everything right away or we'll be updating something. Um, but we we always go out of our way to help people. We don't go out of our way to exclude anyone. So thanks for cutting us slack. Because like once in a while, like we'll have a graphic or a chart or something where like, oh, let's make sure it's good for everyone possible. Um, but you know, sometimes we just need to update stuff if, uh, if we didn't get to it or even if we missed it. Yes. Okay. So do you want to um, go over to, is it great search time? No, not, not quite yet. All right. Uh, I see DigiKey and I'm just like, I know, but I was actually looking at something and I realized it's not there. So let's just go to the overhead real fast. We're, we're really almost done. We're ready. That's fine. We're, we're it's your up. show. Do whatever you want. Well, I want to make sure that we, we get to everything. Um, so with the Seesaw boards, which I'm, I'm loving, and we just got the rotary encoder out. This is like a three-year-old project and I finally finished it. Um, so the rotary encoder, you know, it reads the rotary encoder and, and gives you the values where I squared C and there's a NeoPixel. Wonderful. You know, we just put them in the shop. We're going to be making more. The chip that's used on this is the SAMD09, which, you know, until a few months ago was like, extremely plentiful, like water, uh, raining from the skies. You could get SAMD09s, um, you know, these very inexpensive Cortex-M0 chips. I really loved them because they were very fast, they had a lot of RAM, a lot of flash, um, and were very inexpensive. I was getting them for a great price. I got a great price from, from Microchip for them. Um, but then... Um, you can't really get them anymore. So I have some stock, right? I have, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not like the car companies. I, I buy stuff and I, I broker it ahead of time. And like, so we have some coming and we have stock. But I have a huge pile of all these seesaw type boards, not just the rotary encoder, but I want to make one with like this encoder. And I want to make one with like a joystick. And I want to make one, like I have all these like little Y squared C to button thing, you know, again, mechanical stuff. And the chip itself, is it's it's I am a little hesitant to design if I'm going to be designing the PCB I might as well pick a chip that I know I'm going to be able to get a lot of and you know I was I looked at we chatted about this I looked at the MS51 which is a the cheapest microcontroller on DigiKey like you search for like microcontroller with like eight to sixteen k of flash nothing is cheaper than this it's thirty cents it's like dirt cheap and it has some nice benefits um, this is also a chip that uh, Pamiron uses in their like I squared C they have a seesaw like thing which i don't know what they call it inside but it's not open source i think but it's like it's 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 an ms51 if you look and then they write code on it to do i squared c stuff one of the things that's nice about this chip other than the fact that it's 30 cents which is like amazing and i'm sure you can get even cheaper if you go direct uh or you have a broker um is that it can do three or five volt logic and it's five volt safe so, you know, one of the things that I have to do on all these boards is because people are using these with an Uno or they're using it with a Mega, they're powering it with 5 volt and they're using 5 volt logic. So I have to have a logic shift shifter and regulator. And it would be kind of nice if I could skip those. I, again, I have plenty of regulators and, and shifter chips, but like it is an extra 30 cents-ish, 20, 30 cents. And it's another thing that I won't be able to get. 
So I got this dev kit and I was like, yay, I'm gonna get this. And then of course, like all the MS51s disappeared from the face of the earth. And the lead time is two years, which is... Um, What's uh, Seesaw for the folks who don't know what Seesaw is? Oh, Seesaw is the firmware that is on this little chip that reads the rotary encoder. It's a microcontroller. It reads the rotary encoder and then it has an I2C interface. It's a peripheral. So you can read what the value is. So it's, it's a, like I2C to anything converter. So it's, it's a firmware so that, you know, because like an I2C analog digital converter is like, it's like a dollar. It's like I could just, it's cheaper to get a microcontroller programming with your custom firmware. And, and for stuff like this, where it's, you know, you don't need heavy duty specifications, it's good enough. Um, the problem is that the SAMD09, like I said, it's 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 evaporated. So I, I, I looked around and I was like, I, I spent like an evening and I was like, what what's a chip that I'll be able to get that's inexpensive and five volts, um, I, you know, friendly. And I, so far, I think the thing I found was the ATtiny817 and 816 um, and that series. So... It looks like there's going to be a lot coming into stock at DigiKey soon. Like I kind of did the thing where I, I you know, I checked the lead time. Um, it's three to five volts. It's got I2C peripheral. It's one of the new AT Tinies. So one thing that I thought was really neat. So the programming chip, I thought like, oh, does it use like the the SPI? It actually doesn't. This is SPI, but it's not. Um, it doesn't use this for programming the chip. The chip is actually programmed with an asynchronous serial protocol, which I thought was really smart because you don't need special hardware to do asynchronous serial. You just need one resistor and, and a serial port, um, which means that I could, even without a bootloader, you could plug in, you know, I'll, I'll look maybe I can write a bootloader, but you can plug in to these pins and maybe short a jump or two and then use the, the same wires connected to a UART on a microcontroller to program in the chip, like raw, like program the chip completely, even if there's no bootloader on it, which I thought would be kind of neat in case people wanted to upgrade the firmware on these little boards or like, you know, if somebody finds a bug once in a while, I can fix it and send them new firmware. So I'll do a great search about how I found the, the 817, 816. But um, yeah, I think, I think this is gonna be what I'm gonna use. And I think I'm just gonna have to redesign the boards before I get them into production because I do have a stash of SAMD 09s, but I, I don't know they're gonna last a whole year, especially if I come up with like 10 new products. Okay. All right, speaking of stuff out of stock, it's time for the great search. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DJ The great search brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit DigiKey, thank you so much. More so than ever, the Great Search is now becoming the most this popular is, segment across all of <laughs> yeah. our shows. Because before, back in the time of plenty, it's like, oh, why do you need to search for anything? You can just find chips everywhere. They grow on trees. Not anymore. So um, we tweet at us and use, like, pound the Great Search um, or at us at Adafruit. Whatever, whatever ways, let us know what you're looking for. And we're also out there helping people. And we saw... We see things. We help We things. saw this one. You want to start with the tweet? Yes. So we saw... Tobias tweeted uh, in response to Jerry, who was who had like a, a headachey gif about like how you know she is working on design and can't find a part. And Tobias says, "Welcome to the club, um, anyone TPS two seven zero eight one A for fifteen bucks a piece, usually thirty cents a piece." So they're talking about how brokers are, you know, and I've seen this. Like some brokers are are you know what I would call ethical. It's like 
they'll charge a little bit more because it's rare, but it's they're not going to charge a ridiculous amount. I like, like we're not seeing putting 10, people, 20 Yeah, I like not prices. putting people in, you know, you can resist anything from but temptation. Yeah. And so I think right now there's a lot of temptation for a lot of folks who do brokering or parts to charge whatever. No, and, I have to actually redesign a couple and, of boards. It's not a big deal. I'm going to do it anyways. But it's like, okay, I'm not paying $15 for Excel. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've had people quote me like five, six, seven, eight dollars for parts that I'm like, that's a 70 cent part. Like, I can understand like, hey, 50, 50% more, you know, ooh, like I want to make a couple bucks, but I'm not going to pay it. Like if they find someone, great, but I'm not yeah. going to pay it. Okay. So, so what is... Uh, and I'm saying you shouldn't pay either. Instead, you should tag us on social media and we'll find you an alternative. We'll find an alternative. And that's one thing. Um, just because it's not the same part number that you're used to doesn't mean... Correct. It's and not something that you can Sometimes replace. the part number is similar, but sometimes it's not. And we'll see here. So this part is an I2T power switch, normally 35-week lead time, out of stock completely. And yeah, it used to be about 30 cents a piece. So let's look at the data sheet and so we can see what we're what we're dealing with here. Because I've never used this this part. So this is a one to eight, one point two to eight volt, three amp PFET high side low switch with level shift and adjustable slew rate control. So basically you can use this. There's a VN coming in. And then there's a, a GPIO logic, high and low. You can put in a slew rate capacitor here, a slew rate resistor here to how much you want to feed this um, this FET, and it will turn on. So it's basically like, it's like a PFET, but it's like it's got a little bit extra in it just to make it special. Also, it's 1.2 to 8 volts and 3 amps. Now look, I may not be able to get you the exact same part, but maybe it's within the specifications you need. So let's use... And I want to I highlight, there's a couple things. So there's new up here, right below, not in stock. You can sign up for stock notification where they email you, which, which is, we, we did on Adafruit, so I hope they were inspired by. And also find similar parts, and they tell you how to use the similar parts tool, which I will, which I will tell you as well. So let's look. So um, what do we want? So we want an active part. I don't want to say general purpose because I actually don't know. We do want it with one output because we want it to be pin compatible. We want it to be one-to-one -one high side. Um, I think I want the interface to be on off, but I'm not sure. Voltage, I'm not going to select because there might be a wider range or a range that's close enough, so I'm not going to be too specific. Same with the current. You know, I'm not going to be too specific. Um, I do want surface mount, and I do want it to be in SOT 23.6. Or TSOT 23.6. So let's view similar. Um, okay, so another thing is down here. These are now um, all your specifications that you picked are also available down here that you can like turn on or off specific ones or you can delete the whole thing so you can see what more clearly what you searched for. So let's, we're going to be very picky. We only want ones in stock. Okay, there's only 13 similar-ish parts. Um, the output type. So let's look at this this chip again to see what is the output type. And it says it's a PFET. Okay, so let's go back here. P-channel. Okay, now there's eight. Um, current output. Looks like there's a couple options. Uh, voltage load. I mean, 
I think other than the 5.5, so the 5.5, 2 to 5, I mean, that might be good enough, but um, I'm going to assume that they want, you know, up to 8 volts. That's usually, usually the high limit is what they want. So I'm going to turn those on. Let's look at more filters. Um, okay, so we have actually quite a few options, right? So this is, this is really good stuff. And a lot of them are in stock. So let's look at, um, they're all on off. So it looks like we have a couple options, a couple different current options. So since we have a couple different current options, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna start getting picky and I'm gonna say the other one with a three amp. I'm gonna assume that the, this person needs something that's about three amps. So I'm gonna pick only 2.8 and 3.3 amps. Okay, so here's the two that came up. One is uh, almost the same, 1.8 to eight volts. Another one is uh, 1.5 to 12 volts. They both have an RDS on of about 40 milliohms. Uh, checking this data sheet. Yeah, you know, 40 milliohms or so. That sounds about right. And uh, this one has slew rate control, although I'll say sometimes features aren't complete. It depends on the person who entered it in if they like work, you know, they filled in everything. So I always take the features as a grain of salt. I always check the data sheet and uh, the pinout the package is the same, which means I can now check if the pinout is the same. So um, these are both pretty cheap. So let's look at the uh, V-shape part first. So the V-shape part. So here's what I always like to see. So the, the application circuit, see this? It's, it's basically the same as this. It's very similar. There's the R1, there's the v, VN on off. R2, VN, R1 on off. What's slew? Slew is, is how fast you want the current to go in. It's a current limiting thing. If something is slewed, it means it's gonna slowly ramp up. If you have high slew, it, it spikes up. There's times when you want it to react very fast, you want a lot of current, and sometimes you wanna reduce your inverse current because it could damage your components. You use slew in a sentence like that. What? You use slew in a sentence, like I, I want more slew because or like, well, oh, last, too much slew. Week, last week we talked about op amps and we actually wanted a high slew op amp because we wanted to react to volume changes gotcha. very quickly. High slew. High slew. Right. Um, okay, so for this one, you see um, the same pinout, two and three are V out, two and three are V out, and one is the, the bottom of this, uh, looks like, yeah, another MOSFET. So yeah. This one and then there's a return. This shows the internal resistors, but this looks actually almost identical. I mean, I will tell them, you know, you go and of course check that all the specifications match everything, but this is very, very promising. Um, and there's uh, 12,000 in, in stock. And then um, for this one, and notice that the part numbers are totally, sometimes it's like, oh, an NE555 or TI555 or an LM555, they all have the same part number, they have different prefixes. These have completely different part numbers and prefixes, and that's not, like, that's not unusual. Don't, it's nice when they are, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad if they're not. It's, it just depends on. Yeah, everybody, we're all going to have to adapt at least you got to be while. flexible. Yeah, just because okay. it's not the same part number doesn't mean you can't use it. In fact, that's going to stop a lot of other people from either getting the parts they need or maybe even my, some changes to their design. But you got to be, you, you got to stretch. Yeah, you got to okay. do some flexing. This one also, RDS on, you know, you see the specifications. 
And then um, you can see down here, again, the same thing. There's an input, two pins on the output. Pin six is, you know, you can connect to a capacitor out here. One is, looks this one has five. Yeah, one is from the bottom of this FET. Um, five is to the on-off gate. And VN is on pin four. So this is actually one of the times where I'm like, there's actually two looks like good options. Uh, both have about, about 10,000 pieces of our stock in DigiKey right now. And um, they're, they're like 30 cents, 20 cents, even cheaper. So, you know, if you can't get that TI part. Or if you're getting quoted like. Seven bucks. Ten a bucks a part. Don't do it. Don't. Look, sometimes I agree. Sometimes there aren't any alternatives. But I'll say something. I've actually, other than very, very specific chips that are like okay yes it's a one-off only this company makes this particular microcontroller um in this package and you need that exact microcontroller no that you might, might not be able to get that but but analog and linear components and power components there's probably something out there there's probably something out there you're not yeah. you're not out of luck um there's 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 gold at the end of the rainbow so that's the great search so check it out Send us your uh, great crises, your, your bill material crises, and we'll help fix them. All right, and okay. then uh, just a little side note. Yes. Jim says, in telescope mount terminology, we refer to slew rate which is how much angular motion per second it can move. That's the same thing. Yeah. This is actually, it's, it's the same rotational motion per second, but the rotation is the, um, it's numerically in the um, imaginary plane. Yeah. Or the voltage plane. Like it's, it's, it's rotating, but in, it's not physical. It's in a voltage or current yeah. mode. Okay. Okay, great. That's our show for tonight. That's Descalay Data. Thanks, everybody. All shows during the week. Uh, we have JP's product pick on Tuesday. 3D Hangouts on Wednesday. Show and tell. No one paid for going to be hosting show and tell. We're going to be doing Ask an Engineer. And then Thursday, we've got JP's workshop and Friday deep dive with Scott. So full week ahead. Tons of things. And we'll be broadcasting Ask an Engineer from the Adafruit factory. Soon. Once again, very soon. soon. The only reason we're not is because our shift overlaps with the team. Now, we're all vaccinated and we're past our you know, two weeks, but we're still setting a good example. So when we do video broadcasts, um, we, do, we will take our masks off. So we want to make sure that uh, everyone's out. So it's yeah. just Lady Ada and I. And uh, we have ventilation and all this stuff. We just want to continue to set a good example. And then for the teams that are still around, if they're fully vaccinated and they're after their two weeks or, you know, one month, um, we'll start to work with them. And then over time, it'll be as uh, normal or whatever normal is that we define together going forward. So we'll see everybody soon as the show's during the week. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. Thanks, we'll everybody. everybody. Bye. Next week.